Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's popping in the culture. And one of my favorite TV series ever, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is back for season three. And Rachel Brosnahan, I don't know where you keep your awards now. They just keep uh, piling up. They're on my toilet. And go on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. You're not kidding, are no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, this is no disrespect. No, no. But no, you just love them that, there. That is a throne, yeah. the toilet. It's, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I appreciate being able to look at them in there when I'm dropping a deuce. But we went right to the toilet. It was. I know, sorry, that was really takes fast. A while, you know, <laughs> before we let that all go into this. And let me try to take control again and do due diligence and say, what, what can you tell us about season three? I've seen five episodes. No, but you're not three. allowed to say. I anything. can't speak either, even though I didn't sign the non-disclosure. Oh, but where is the it? fact is, I won't spoil it. But what can we say? Uh, so season one followed Midge finding her voice again after her whole life fell apart, and season two kind of followed the ripple effect of how that affects her family and everyone else in her life, and season three takes Midge on the road and finds her um, learning how to be a comic in a bigger way for bigger audiences, a more technically proficient comic. Yeah, um, because you're opening for Shy Baldwin. Yeah, she's opening for Shy Baldwin, which yeah. is huge. huge. It feels it's... like this big, big step you're in a brand new direction. You're going to the big room. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they, are, they were big. And you have zero experience in stand-up. Yeah, absolutely Zero. none, and I and and that won't change anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know because I keep thinking as we watch Midge grow <laughs> and her effectiveness yeah. on stage that you would just say to yourself, you know what, Rachel? Because I'm sure you talk about yourself in the third person mm-hmm. after you win an Emmy. That happens. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just part you take of the it deal. home in the mirror. Let's Rachel, go. Good yes, job. job. Good job, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> another person yeah 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 yeah. you've never had the temptation to just go to a club no i mean go to a club to to watch no no to do no absolutely not what's wrong with you what's wrong with you you would love it no i wouldn't (laughs) i'd never be able to get back on stage again i mean i you know i've i've told this joke far too many times but but i used to say you know when you when you sign up to play a surgeon on television it's not recommended that you try to perform surgery it wouldn't go well for anyone <laughs> i feel the same way about doing stand-up i amy and dan once told me i don't even know if they remember this but before we started shooting this series that they would write something for me to do and and send me out to mm-hmm. an open mic night or something and and i and i fought back and forth with amy because i said i i'm genuinely so worried that i would get up and just tank and then I would never be able to shoot the show I would never be able to move past it and that's one of the things I admire about Midge and and people who do stand up for a living is they move past it they get back on the horse right away I I think that would crush me (laughs) that would be it but you seem so fearless thank you I'm not (laughs) you really do you get up there you know you have your manager yeah She says, Alex Borstein, by the way, oh, also keeps getting better. She's this phenomenal. Is one of those things. Yeah. And I was saying something to you before we started, and I want to say it again yeah. on air, about how these there's eight episodes mm-hmm. in this season. They all look like movies. Each one does. Yeah. Which means you guys just don't shoot this in an hour and a half. <laughs> you no. spend <laughs> a good part of a year doing yeah, this. Yeah, we spend about six months shooting eight episodes. But that's why... 
they are the quality they are, the, the colors and the costumes and the hair and makeup and the cinematography, the lighting, the set design. I mean, it, it feels like we're shooting a movie every 10 to 14 days. It's extraordinary. It's like nothing else I've ever been a part of. And, and I've also never been a part of something where the crew and the actors and the office PAs, every single person, and there are hundreds of people working on this show at any given moment, feel interwoven. Um, it, every single person's job is so vitally important and every single person's job is seen on screen and that's not always the case. It's really special yeah, to be a part of it. Yeah, it looks, everything about it just looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, so and, cool. <laughs> do you get to keep all the clothes? No, no, but I don't think I'd want to, you know, those clothes are fitted with a very tight corset on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd want to try to get into those without the contraptions Since underneath. You also have the cast of casts in this show. It does seem like a family. Yeah. And to do more due diligence, I think we should look at a clip from season three. Which one? Let's see. I thought you chose them. No, I didn't. I thought once you have an Emmy and Golden Gloves, you can just say, here's how it's done. You've got even less control than before. (laughs) Less control. (laughs) Can we run this clip, please? Why are you mad at me? It's your fault your daughter's a comedian. How so? Yeah, how so? It's that German edge she gave you. The Lehman blood. You gave her the oompa. Papa, well, it was your penis she was talking about on stage, not mine. Whoops, my mother just said that. Yep. (laughs) Because penis is a funny word. I've learned this about comedians. They say funny words for cheap laughs. Guys, please. If you had a penis, she'd be talking about you, not me. Wouldn't you talk about your mother's penis if she had one? For hours and hours and hours. (laughs) Well... They're your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Parents, it's the in-laws, brothers, the in-laws, husband, ex-husband, question mark, siblings. Yeah, that's the whole family. Tony Shalhoub, who's so great as He's your so papa. Amazing. Yeah. You know? There was a scene I can talk about because it was in season two. Your father got to see you perform for the first time. And there he is watching this in horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even though it's season three now, he still has. Yeah. An attitude about and it. Nobody has a better horrified face than Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this season we're definitely feeling the fallout of, of Midge's big secret getting revealed to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even, you know, even though Midge and Abe have kind of a tumultuous relationship, I still think there's a lot of mutual respect there. But it's been a little bit harder for Rose to come around. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot in this season that people can learn about. Uh, <laughs> both of them. Yeah. But I'm not going to say. Uh, is it as much fun as it looks to yeah. work with them? I mean, fun is sometimes the wrong word. We shoot so many pages a day that mm-hmm. we're, we're, we just want to bang it out and make sure we have everything. And, and we're always short on time. You know, we, we're always so envious of shows that have blooper reels because they have enough time to make mistakes. But... We have so much fun together, and we have so much fun getting to talk about the show. And and even when it's the hardest, we're we're constantly being pushed and challenged, and we're so creatively satisfied and creatively satisfied mm-hmm. as a group. And you can't really ask for more than that. No, it's like yeah. okay, I'll yeah. pay you. Well, we won't go that far, but <laughs> still. Not that far. <laughs> when success happens, which yeah. it did pretty quickly in season one, yeah. does that change everybody's attitude? Not Do you have more? Do you have a little more swagger? when? Uh... No. If anything, I feel like it 
it up the bar. You know, this, this is a group of people who are consummate professionals. They've been doing this forever. Tony and, and Alex and Marin and even Michael. And, and, you know, we all know what it's like to be a part of something that we're really proud of, that nobody ever sees or, or doesn't get the opportunity to be as proud of it as we are. And so I think we're just counting our lucky stars that the show found an audience, that we keep getting to make it, that we keep getting to work with this group of people. Um, we, we feel so genuinely lucky and we just want to keep making sure that it's just as good, if not even better, the next season than it was before. Well, you can feel that. Because it keeps yeah. changing, it morphs yeah. into something else yeah. that's happening, even though I'm forbidden to say how. Shh, shh, no, look at you, just shh, 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 that's it, everything. Shh, shh, that's what everyone quiet. does to me in the shh, corner shh, when I'm giving interviews. Don't do it. Shh, just shut up. Shh, you can't really do this, <laughs> not anymore. Did you ever see yourself when you started saying, when was it? You were born outside Chicago? Yeah, I was born in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and uh, moved, sh- moved to the Chicagoland area when I was four. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in the Chicago suburbs and always knew I wanted to be an actor, but didn't always know that it was a career. Um, always knew I wanted to do it, but it kind of felt more like a hobby and that at some point I'd have to find a real job. <laughs> um, what was that first step toward it actually happening? Um, just when I started looking at colleges and thinking about what I wanted to study, I realized that there was nothing I wanted to do more than this. And, and I can't remember who said it or where I read it, but, I, but somehow it stuck with me, this thing that someone had said about there not being an option to have a plan B. There is no such mm-hmm. thing as a plan B. You're if you're going to do, do this, this, you have to do it all the way mm-hmm. and, and risk big and maybe fail big, but you can't you can't have a backup plan in the back of your mind, otherwise you'll go do that, because it's mm-hmm. so hard sometimes, um, especially when you're first starting. And, uh, and so I, I dove in. Did you have support at home? Were your parents saying, yes, Rachel, you can do it. There's no plan well, B. Maybe not quite. I think, they, I think they were more in support of having some kind of plan, plan B. B. No, no parent wants their kid to come home and be like, I'm going to be an artist of any kind, <laughs> you know. Um, I think they, w- they would have preferred that I pursued something more practical, mm-hmm. maybe become a lawyer or a doctor. But Those things. Yeah, those oh, old things. Easy as pie. But it's great doctor's I, plan B. Yeah, sure. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, on the side. But I think they, they did me a great service by, by not handing everything to me, not handing me all the tools I needed to do it. They basically said, if, if you want to do this, then you're going to have to make it happen. And you should probably take some acting classes and you should probably start babysitting a lot to pay for those. Nice. <laughs> and so they-, they wanted me to prove it to them, but also I think to myself. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that now. I read somewhere that when you were in high school, you did, you were on the wrestling team. Yes. I can't imagine you doing no. that. No, I wore this exact outfit. No, um, yes, it's I, a wrestling outfit. <laughs> yes, sure, it's exactly. perfect. Yeah. No, it, it's funny. That's become everyone's favorite fun well, fact. Well, it is because you stop and say, really? Yeah. Well, I grew up in a really athletic family. Mm-hmm. My dad played tennis. My brother played hockey. My sister played soccer. And we all Who snowboarded wrestled? and skied. No one did that. <laughs> but I... But I had a lot of friends who joined the wrestling team and who had been doing it since junior high and had always wanted to do it. And, um, and I loved the fact that it wasn't, even though it was primarily considered a, a boy's sport, it's actually divided by weight class. So 
if you weigh the same, you you have you might same. have different skill sets, yeah. but but you're you're competing against one another, and gender has nothing to do with it. And I loved it. It was so hard, and the workouts were insane. But I I really enjoyed that it was both a team sport and an individual sport at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, I I wish I could have continued with it, but I, I made the musical, <laughs> and then I. Left it behind. I, I left that behind. So put on you're a, not took doing off the it singlet now. and put on a cat suit. You don't say to your husband, your family, and friends, let's, let's wrestle. wrestle. No, not these days. Oh, not unless this. I've had a couple cocktails. <laughs> I still think it would be a great idea. One to day I'll that. whip out the singlet and the headgear again. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> Glow is Maybe still Maybe we'll going. do it today. You know, it'll oh, be great. Mm, mm-hmm. no, do you want to borrow mm, these? Mm, no, yeah, I want to do wrestle Neils. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the dream that everybody yeah, yeah. has. Me too. Yeah, that's it. So you, you start and you go to NYU to the Tisch School, so it's a thing. What was the, you know, I saw that your first movie, I'm a movie critic. I never saw The Unborn. I yeah. never investigated. I don't know if I did all the way the either. <laughs> um, yeah, that it was, I mean, it was a very, movie. very small part. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in high school and I, uh, I got an audition and, and my you know, small agents at the time kind of made it sound like it was going to be the biggest audition, the biggest opportunity I'd ever have in my whole life. And I, I skipped school and missed a very important test and, uh, and went and auditioned for it and then somehow ended up with this part and my mom had to be on set with me. And I was playing, I think, a high schooler, maybe a college student, but, um, but I was definitely the only person of that age <laughs> on this set. Yeah. Everyone else was, like, much older and I got sewn into this little top. But it was a great experience. <laughs> Sewn into yeah. the top. And I had no idea what I was doing. You know, someone said to me that in order to act on film and TV, you should just mumble all your lines. Oh, and really? so I literally That's went into that audition and was like, hey, you want to go to the club later? <laughs> but I guess it worked. Maybe I should I go back to that. <laughs> because you did series TV, right? You did like... Yeah. A one here, a Gossip Girl here, or something yeah. else there. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was I don't know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like learning what yeah. it is. I loved getting doing. to do it that way. I was in school and learning a ton um, and was getting little opportunities to pop in and out of uh, various television shows and films that were shooting in and out of New York. Sometimes a line here, a couple lines there. And, and it was a great opportunity to be able to try things and, and sometimes feel like I've failed miserably and then go back to school, which is such a safe place and say, I tried all this stuff that I thought I was supposed to do and none of it worked. Please help me. <laughs> um, I feel so lucky that, that it's been such a, a, a slow, a slow burn. So we've talked a little bit about your movie career that is now your producer. Yeah. You're, pro- you're getting to produce your own stuff. Yeah. See? Success is good when you can do that. It's been fantastic. What's your mission statement as a producer now? Well, I, you know, right now the project that I'm producing is a film called I'm Your Woman that I'm also starring in, um, which is being directed by a wonderful, wonderful woman named Julia Hart. Oh, she did. Miss Stevens. Yes, one of my favorites. she did. Yeah. She's phenomenal. And I'm um, co-producing with Jordan Horowitz. She and Jordan wrote the script together. And I'm, I'm really just getting started. But part of what I'm hoping to do is also produce things that I'm not in. You know, I've, I've been given this platform because of this project that people love so dearly mm-hmm. and I and I'd like to share it. I'd like to be able to help uplift and center artists who 
deserve a shot and a piece of that platform and who might not have that opportunity elsewhere. Um, that's something that I'm really excited about and still trying to figure out how to how to do. Well, it's exciting. Thanks. You know, scary. You yeah. Know, at the same time, which are all good things. <laughs> yeah. You know, really are good things. Yeah, very much so. Because we know now that you're not going to pursue, you're not going to do another thing where you're a stand-up comic ever. Because I don't think so. <laughs> it's just, there's no... Did you take inspiration from any of the women uh, comics that do this? I looked a lot to a woman named Jean Carroll, who's kind of a lesser-known early female comic. Mm-hmm. She's certainly one of the pioneering comedians, but I originally thought that Midge was inspired by her and later learned that that's not true. But, um, <laughs> but she was, oh, she was so good. She was so quick and she was three steps ahead of her audience at any given moment. And there's, there's a brilliant, brilliant clip that I feel like became the foundation for Midge where Jean Carroll's dropping jokes left and right on some, some show, maybe the Ed Sullivan show, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she, drops a joke so quickly that the audience doesn't quite catch it. And she sort of waits a half a beat for a laugh and then immediately goes, come on, come on, come on, come on, and says the, says the joke again. And I was like, oh, queen, oh my God. That is, that is Midge, I think. It is her. And so uh, Jean, there's definitely a lot of Jean Carroll. Well, this is the first time you've been on this show, you know, yes. even though we've talked before. Yeah. So you don't really know that we end in a little song. And since you have such vast experience in musical theater mm-hmm. in high school, I don't know what your first musical role was. Probably a lot of ensemble in, in <laughs> oh, the Cats ensemble. and the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, yep. got, that was it. Proud okay. ensemble member. Well, is there some song that's in your heart? In my heart? Yes. That's a lovely way of asking yes. that. You know, I <laughs> don't know why this song came back into my mind and my heart recently, but my dad is a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Really? And we grew up on the... My dad would drive me to school in the morning, and, and it was kind of a special time for us to spend together, and we would just blast Jimmy Buffett. So uh, Cheeseburger in Paradise is a favorite. So give me a little bit of it. Okay. So it goes a little something like this. I hope I don't butcher these words. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, zucchini, fettuccine, and bulgur wheat... On a big warm bun and a huge hunk of meat. Da, da, da. Cheeseburger in paradise, paradise. Look at that. You're almost harmonizing with yourself. <laughs> with it's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Being this here. was so it's nice. So, Thanks for having good. me.